from One World Trade Center, where we can't figure out a 401k, but we can fill out a fancy lineup. Welcome to the Golf Digest Fantasy Podcast. Welcome to the Golf Digest Fantasy Podcast. I'm Joel Beal. We apologize for the delay. Like most of the East Coast, uh, our travel plans were thrown awry on Tuesday, so thanks for hanging in there with us. Associate Editor Steve Hennessy joins us today. Alex Myers, allegedly out for personal matters to attend to, although I think there's some correlation that he might be in mourning from his Wake Forest Demon Deacons getting bounced last night in the first four game. But, uh, you know, it's God bless him. I, I, if it happened to OU, I, I'd be in that position as well, so can't, can't blame the kid. Um, Steve, uh, this week, though, the tour visits Bay Hill for the Arnold Palmer Invitational. Uh, this year marks the tournament's first without its namesake, so there have been numerous tributes, accolades, memories pouring in. Steve, before we get into our picks, do you have a personal tale or you know, favorite memory of Palmer? Well, I love the fact that everyone has shared their own tales of Palmer this week. Obviously, it's the first year that the tournament's being held without him, so, uh, I mean, you can't really quantify what he meant to the game, what he meant to sports, what he meant to this country in general. Uh, everyone of the generation before us has such a vivid memory of him, even if you have zero interest in golf you you know Arnold Palmer kind of the same way you knew Bob Hope is just an entertainer I, I love all the stories I mean you, you hear at the Masters just people who are there watching he would just be on the veranda outside the clubhouse and he would invite people over uh, just to have a drink um, and he would remember people's names too that's it's always something that sticks out as his personal touch on things obviously he sent these letters to over the years, thousands of golfers, maybe tens of thousands of golfers who had a good finish or just kind of stuck out in his mind. And these letters are so valued by the, the people who receive them. So that's it's his place in golf that he had this effect on on everybody that that's really transcends generations. And you can't say enough great things about him, which is why everyone is this week. And it's just a great legacy. It, yeah, I'm with you. And it's funny you mentioned the Masters because, you know, for me, man, I think it had to be the 99 tournament. So I was standing by the old practice area. And for those that don't know, before Augusta National built their immaculate practice facility, the old driving range was a really congested area. And the short game area was even smaller than that. So, you know, anyway, I was between the short game area and where the par three course sits. And there was a few kids waiting for an autograph from a pretty big name player. And, you know, this guy just, not only does he brush right by them without acknowledging their presence, one kid kind of makes his way through to, you know, a, a spot where the guy's about to just kind of enter the restricted area, and the guy just kind of cusses him out. And this kid, man, he probably 9 or 10 years old. He just starts bawling his eyes out. Then out of nowhere, Palmer emerges, sees this guy crying, and gives him the biggest hug you can imagine. Oh. And, you know, I was when Palmer died, I remember that story, not for his generosity, you know, which is a big part of it, but because it happened in an area where there was no media or really any fans, I think there's only 11 or 12 of us. So, I, you know, Steve, a lot of us that cover the game, you know, there are certain players who act one way in front of the public and maybe another when the cameras aren't present. Right. But that moment just, like, struck me as a testimony to the type of guy Palmer was. Um, you know, sorry, that's kind of a little bit of a ramble, but, yeah. It, it's as a great you, story. No, it's you're right. It shows who Arnold Palmer was as a person, and that's the kind of effect he wanted to have on golf in general, it meant a lot to him to give back to the game that gave him so much. And I think Keegan Braley kind of hit on it best when he said, you know, it's 
almost who Arnold Palmer, the golfer, was is secondary. He was just how he resonated as a person to other people. I think is really the reason why we're talking about him totally today. So um, anyway, so uh, let's get into this week's pick. So uh, Steve, who, who's the guy you like first at Bay Hill? Uh, my first shot would be Ricky Fowler here. Uh, obviously, he won in at the Honda, uh, so I'm riding the hot hand in Florida a little bit. But I think Ricky's just someone who's going to be motivated to play well at Bay Hill this week to kind of honor Arnold Palmer. Uh, we saw the shoes he's going to wear today in the practice round, and Puma's auctioning off a pair. You know, fantasy guys or stats guys are, aren't going to like this, but I think he's just motivated to win because he's going to be playing for Arnie a bit this week so there's not like specific data that you would point to but at the Honda he won with probably his B minus game off the tee especially the final round and he didn't really sweat it down the stretch so uh, it means a lot to him to be here this week and he's prepping for the Masters but uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see Ricky this week win so who do you like JB who's your number one pick yeah, for me, the guy that pops out is uh, Henrik Stenson, who has appeared at this tournament eight times and placed inside the top ten four on those occasions, Amazing. which is three top fees in those past three years. So he withdrew at the WGC Mexico, but I think you have to kind of throw that aside because he bounced back last week with a seventh-place finish at the Valspar. Combine that with his excellent play on the Euro Tours of late, I, I think he's just in one of the handfuls of, of favorites to go with. Um, and kind of going back to your Fowler pick, it's funny, just a year ago, Fowler was a guy who was you know, one of the top four or five guys people were looking at to win the Masters, and now a year later, and he's kind of become a little forgotten, you know, a secondary character, if you will, in, in terms of golf's biggest stages. But, yeah, he's playing really well this year, and I, I, I mean, if he does anything a top five this week, I think you have to throw him into that Spieth, Dustin Johnson pack of guys who could compete for a green jacket in a couple weeks. Yeah, for sure. With Ricky at the Kind of in the middle of the year last year, he he struggled, but righted it uh, before the Ryder Cup. His putting was really off, and if you look at his stats in the middle of the year, that would back it up. But he's figured it out because he's playing great, and that's a key at Augusta, and it's, it's going to be a key this week at Bay Hill. So that's why I like Ricky. I was debating between Jason Day and him. Uh, Day is back healthy this week. We just did a photo shoot with him last week, so there shouldn't be any concerns health-wise, but uh, – you know, I just think Ricky, we've seen him get it done already at the Honda, so there's kind of not that motivation to, or that, that pressure to, to prove that he could win. Uh, he's already done it, so maybe it's a little relief anyway. Well, it's funny you mentioned Dave because that's actually the second guy I have slotted for this week. And, you know, for oh, all the big go. names that have excelled early this year, Dave's been kind of left in the dust. Part of that's because he's played in just four events this year, and out of that he's only had one top ten and. Now, let's be honest, he kind of took some bad pressure dropping out of the Mexico event. I, I think his reasoning was totally legit. And in that same breath, I think some guys get a little tired of hearing the health issues keep coming up. And say, some guys, unfortunately, just if you look across any any sport, there are just some guys that get hit with the injury bug worse than others. Uh, however, you know he is rested and comes to Bay Hill as the defending champion. He's got a nice track record of performing on Bermuda grass. Uh, and if his approach game can just be adequate this week, I think he has a really solid chance of repeating. Yeah, you look at last year, it was him versus Kevin Chappell, and uh, Chappell's kind of fallen off. He's, last year he was 13th in strokes gain, tee to green, but this year he's 172nd, so what a disparity. Uh, but, I mean, that's know, the guy who was just you know fighting for one of his last Ryder Cup That's spots. right, he was in the conversation for sure. Um, you know, if there's a place he could kind of right the ship and, 
and find his game. Maybe this is the place with some good memories. And he played great at the players last year, too, in Jason Day 1. So he does like Florida. Uh, but I probably there's more options than I'd be comfortable with than Chapel, I think. So I would go. Yeah, which, who would be your second guy then, Steve? Yeah, I would go Snedeker as my second guy, who's had a, a great year, kind of under the radar, three top tens and seven tournaments. There's uh, only a handful of guys who could could boast that, that they in seven finishes they have three top tens. Uh, another guy, I mean, I hate to play the, the Arnold Palmer, you know, kind of relationship card, but he was really close with Arnie. Uh, Jeff Babineau from Golf Week had a really nice piece this week. And included some anecdotes about Sneds and Arnie. How Sneds had received like ten letters over the years from from Arnie, and you know how much that that meant to him. Even when he was a lower level player, Arnie was sending him letters. Uh, and Sneds really has the game for Bay Hill with his short game. He just needs to minimize those misses in the long game. That's that's what kind of uh, haunts him. But he played great at Pebble Beach, fourth place there. And in his last appearance, he was T seven in Mexico. So. I'd be pretty confident in Sneds this week. I'm with you. You've mentioned the emotional component a few times, and I know some people it's frustrating because that's not something you can quantify. But I'm with you in a, a tournament in a setting like this. I think the you have to be playing for a little bit something extra to kind of separate yourself from the pack or separate yourself from the fray. And these personal connections, I think they do have uh, inherent meaning this week. So I'm with you. Snacker's a guy who, you, when you look at who on tour right now had a really good relationship with Palmer outside really Sam Saunders Snedeker's right there at the top. Mm -hmm. So, um, and obviously you mentioned Fowler as well. So yeah, I, I think that it's going to be a recurring narrative, but I think it's a, it's a good narrative to follow. Yeah. Sneds is, I think you could get him at like 30 to one in some places this week. And that's, that's pretty inviting for sure. Without a doubt. Uh, Steve, who's your number three? Three, uh, I like Tony Fino. Not a guy who has a great track record here, but just playing great recently. Had a final round of 64 at the Valspar. Putting's the thing with him. You're, you're kind of worried about his putting game, and he's like something 150th in strokes gained putting this year. But he's still in the top 30 in the FedEx Cup standings and has, again, I think three top 10s this year on tour. He's kind of a hit-or-miss guy. He's He's, he either misses the cut or he finishes in the top 10 recently. Uh, but he's got a – I mean, he bombs the ball. He hits it 305 off the tee, and his iron game has been great. So as long as he's on par with his iron game, then, uh, you know, I, I think Finau's a pretty good bet to have a top 10 or top 15 finish. Uh, I'm with you on Finau. He's a guy who I think we looked – everyone kind of saw last year of his breakout year, and he had a good year. Obviously, he won at Puerto Rico, but it was very up and down. This year – even though he still does have those roller coaster rides, at least it seems to be the top is a little bit more consistent of what you see out of him. He's also a guy who was part of that Nike equipment uh, change, so he's a guy who just kind of put some new clubs in the bag. I think right. there was an acclimation period you have to account for in that, and now he's starting to really show. He's a guy who will probably be playing next week at the match play. Um, he's a guy who, if you're looking for kind of a, a breakout star, I think Finau has all the makings of someone who, and this could be this week for him. So yeah, uh, I think it, it's like a matter of time before he just puts it all together and, and gets his win uh, this year. So I like yeah, I'm with you. It's not a matter of if; it's just a matter of when. Yep. Um, speaking of breakouts, my third guy, Wesley Bryant, who wow, what a story this guy's been. Goes from a trick shot artist to earning his tour cards to now showing he belongs. Yeah, kind of a rough start actually to start this campaign out. He missed four consecutive starts at one point. But he kind of comes into Bay Hill with, I think, three straight top ten finishes. 
Um, really getting it done thanks to a strong approach game. He ranks inside the top 30 in strokes gained in that category. He's especially deadly from 125 yards to about 50 yards, coming in at third in that, that category. So lack of experience at Bay Hill worries me, especially since this course is a different animal from other guys or other courses um, on tour, at least in terms of setup. But he is also very affordable in, in daily fantasy leagues. Uh, so in, in that case, I think the juice is worth the squeeze for Wesley Bryan here. Yeah, that's a great call. I mean, consider how far he's come. He's like a top 20 favorite this week to win. Uh, and yeah, like you said, he's a and he's a Bermuda grass guy too. He's mm-hmm. a southern guy, so I wouldn't be surprised to see him contend this week. He's done it, it seems like, uh, regularly the last month. So I like Wes too. My last yeah, guy. He's the fourth guy. Yeah, my last guy would be Kevin Kisner, another Bermuda grass guy. Uh, he's as high as eighty to one on some sites, but wow. Reason why I like him. A couple of years ago, I was talking to him for a What's in the Bag interview, and we were just kind of talking at the end of it, and we got to talking about the courses he likes. And he's like, "Man, I look at the schedule each year, and I know I have to make my money during the Florida swing because this is where he plays his best. Uh, har- like a course like Harbor Town too, where it's kind of uh, pinpoint golf." This is suited for his game, and you know we know Florida is good to him. He was in the playoff against Ricky at the Players two years ago. Kisner's a guy who's just playing great, uh, leads the tour in proximity to the hole on shots of 200 yards or more, and there's two par threes at Bay Hill that are over 200 yards. So uh, as long as he could avoid um, the big round that's been the bugaboo with him, I like him to finish in the top ten this week. Yeah, Kisler's a guy who might not be a household name, but the, you know he, he's there. It seems like around that top twenty, seemingly every leaderboard you look at, uh, it's just really a, a matter of does the setup really fit his eye? And as you just mentioned, Florida is a time he knows he has to get it done. Um, really, it, it, he's one of those guys. Now you can say it with a handful of players on tour, but you almost amazed he hasn't won more. Um, yeah. But he's also just kind of entering his prime in terms of when golfers really hit their peak. So uh, I'm, I'm with you. I think Kisner's a very solid bet this week. Cool. Um, ra- wrapping up for me, I'm going kind of sticking that same thing of pinpoint hitters as Paul Casey. For really a few weeks in the winter, it looked like Casey's career revival that we saw last fall might be slowing down. But really since then, the 39-year-old's bounced back nicely. He had two top 15s at the Honda and, and the WGC Mexico. Bit of a mixed record at Bay Hill in six appearances, but what should catch your eye is Casey's ninth place finish last year. Comes in ranking third in, in strokes gained approach. Uh, excuse me, strokes gains around the green and 12th in tee to green. So those are two facets that should correlate to a good performance. And amazingly, Casey isn't that expensive in most leagues, so all the more reason to stick him in your lineup. Yeah, Paul Casey, you got to love taking him this week. Again, like you said, he's affordable, like 30-1, to 35-1. to 1. He's... He's a guy who's who's peaking toward the majors, so you know he might be a sleeper for the Masters, and his games his games in a good place coming into Bay Hill. So you gotta like him. Uh, in terms of some really long sleepers, at first, I mean Bubba Watson, former you know top five in the world guy, is still right up there. He's like seventy to one to win this week. This, that's crazy, Bubba Watson at seventy to one. Uh, same with Kevin Chapel, who's in a, who's right there last year. He's seventy to one. Brooks Kepka is also seventy to one. There's some value, kind of later in the field. Keegan Bradley eighty to one, and a guy I like, Chris Kirk at a hundred to one. He doesn't get a lot of credit for being a great putter, great short game. He could hit the ball a far way too. He played good at Torrey Pines earlier this year. So, uh, if you're looking for a value bet, I like those guys. 
Yeah, Kirk has kind of the same attributes we mentioned with Casey, uh, Brian, and a few others. You're right. If you're looking for someone, um, especially Kisner as well, I think Kirk and Kisner fit well together. Um, you can kind of get away with poor putting on Bermuda Greens, too, I feel like. At least tour guys can. So um, Kirk's a guy who, I mean, just a couple of years ago, he was, you know, President's Cup, um, President's Cup guy and mm-hmm. kind of started having a little bit of a bounce back last year. Yeah, I, I think we're, um, I, I think he's a guy who you see the odds, and if you look kind of his, his I don't know, his box score from the past two or three months, you see why. But, man, that's just a guy who's got way too much game to be playing the way he's been playing. So, yeah, those are some really good picks. And, then, you know, Steve, before I let you go, God, no, March Madness, who's winning your bracket? I haven't filled it out yet. I'm kind of postponing it, but I'm formulating my responses in my head. So, first glance, I like Duke, and I'm a Kentucky guy, so that really pains me to say that, but they're peaking at the right time. Uh Notre Dame is a five seed. You could make a little run. Uh, I think they're like fourteen to one to win their region. Not that I've looked at that or anything, but not that uh, you're a betting guy. Yeah, not that I'm. Like, if you know, for a friend, if you're asking for a friend, then fourteen to one's pretty good for Notre Dame. They got to the ACC championship. Uh, and I like North Carolina coming into the conference week, and then they kind of disappointed a bit, but. Uh, they're in Kentucky's region. I'm going to be rooting against them, but they're one of the best teams talent-wise. They That game against Kentucky was probably one of the top three games all season, and I'm a little biased because Kentucky came out on top. But, uh, yeah, those would be my picks. What about you, JB? It sounds like you're riding the ACC hard. Yeah, uh, I mean, they had such a good year, you know? Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, I'm with you. I'm going with Duke, and I'm not happy about it, but they can play a few different styles, and uh, their bracket's really kind of easy, and, I know if Shane Ryan's listening, he's gonna gonna get a very strongly worded email about that. But sadly, <laughs> uh, I, I'm with you. I think I think Duke's gonna be cutting the nets down. But hey, you never know. If it has been a wacky year in college basketball, if it, this could be one of those years where you just see like three four seeds in the in the, in the final four. So yeah, totally. No, it's always a good time of year. You got March Madness rolling right into the Masters, and and golf picks up right after that. So you gotta love it if you're a sports fan. And, and yeah, you're preaching to the choir. Um, you know, but hey, special. Uh, special thanks to Steve for joining us. Special thanks to our producer, Brittany, who had to deal with this podcast getting rescheduled five different times. Uh, thank you for listening. Uh, please subscribe us to iTunes if you haven't already. He's Steve Hennessy. I'm Joel Beal. Hope you enjoy the action at Bay Hill this weekend.